everybody, it's Terrell Cummings. This is episode 32 of the Always Relevant Podcast. Dane and myself will be on talking about James Harrison and whether or not there was an actual bounty gate for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. It just shows a picture of him taking an envelope from Coach Tomlin after he hit a receiver illegally during a game. We're talking about the documentary, The Last Dance, for Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls' final championship run. Also talking about Lonzo Ball benching 225 five times, what NBA players we think couldn't do it at least once. Also, uh, Major League Baseball and some of their players' response to taking pay cuts. Uh, if the season were shortened, they decided to play a shortened regular season this season. And then also, uh, a few rapid-fire topics. Also bring up the topic, messing with your money with Rel. And a few other things. Other than that, we're just hanging out, have a good time. Looking forward to enjoying the show. We hope you do too. And uh, we're about to do it. Talk to you soon. Later. Hey, everybody. This is episode 13 of the Always Relevant Podcast. Got myself, Terrell, coming to share the line with you. Also got Dane DeMail online. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much. We got good stuff to talk about today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. It should be good. I'm looking forward to it. Want to apologize to everybody that normally uh, tunes in to us on Saturdays to uh, look at the, look at the podcast. Uh, we decided to push it back today, mainly because yesterday was my daughter's birthday. She turned one, so we had a lot of festivities going on and calling it uh, the hashtag Day of Copeland. So uh, it was a good time. You know, people came out. We had prayed for it and everything because you know we're trying to hang out and maintain social distancing. So we were able to do that, uh, hang out, have a good time. And she enjoyed, she enjoyed her day and, you know, stuck her face in icing, you know, for her little, with her cupcake that was there and, you know, enjoyed the, the presence that she got. So, um, you know, had a good time celebrating her and hanging out and, you know, it was good seeing everybody. So, um, like I said, sorry we're pushing this back a day. That's just how it goes. But we're glad we're still here and we're looking forward to, to today's show so dane i'm gonna bring it to you man how are you and how are you really well you know usually i'm not too good but i gotta say this james harrison story is fantastic it's <laughs> fantastic and we're not gonna let this story die on this show we're gonna demand demand investigations but before we i'm not gonna get we're gonna get into all that soon enough but uh so how am i really you know, considering our my county in Pennsylvania is still on lockdown and everybody else is out having a good time, including yourself. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happy about that. But, you know, I, I hopefully uh, we'll have our freedom again by June 4th and something will actually be open. But until then, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing good because of the Steelers thing. This is great. This is awesome. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into that soon. Right. Dane's excited and everything. I, overall, I'm going to ask myself the same question. How am, I, how am I really? I'm doing all right. No complaints. School school is uh, – we've been on the break from school. So that's that's been good a little bit, at least for my one class. So just studying for one class is way easier than studying for two. Even though that next class starts uh, – managerial accounting starts this week on Wednesday. I'm actually in it myself and DJ are in the same class. So that should be interesting having a class together and seeing how that all goes. Um, but overall, you know, how am I really? I'm not too bad. Um, I'm tired from yesterday. Yesterday, just, I felt like it was a long day. There's a lot of stuff going on. What people have the dartboard for the basement. 
So that's good. Uh, the basement project is coming along. Getting myself and Larry both getting our jerseys framed from when we played in college. So that's going to be pretty cool to hang up on the walls and everything. And hopefully I have enough room to frame up some of Caden's jerseys, you know, when he gets a little bit older. And, you know, we'll see what Copeland does too. So uh, overall, um, you know, I have no complaints. I'm good, man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the day for sure. That's good, man. I, like I said, uh, got some good stuff to talk about today. Good thing we're getting it going. Glad you had a good birthday party and all that, and uh, you're ready to get into it today. Yeah, let, let's let's hear about it from from your guys from the Steelers, man. Straight from the Akron area, what kind of story you got going on? See, I love this because this is what happens when you make a pact with the dark side. This is what yeah. happens when you count on a guy who played for the Coventry Comets. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what happens. That's right. I'm calling it out. I don't like Coventry. That was a rival in high school. You know, you got to go with the good side or the bad side. He comes from the dark side. And stuff like this happens when you rely on somebody from the Coventry comments to play in your program. He took money from Tomlin for an illegal hit. I want investigations. I want the NFL involved. I want interviews. I want the envelope found. I want all this stuff. I want to pin the cross like the Saints. I want people suspended. I want Tomlin out for a year. There is no proof. There is no proof of that. Just because he took an envelope, it was after he was getting fined by the NFL. There's no proof that that envelope was for a bouncy hit or anything like that. It could just be, hey, you know what? You worked hard. It's a misunderstanding. Here, here's an envelope. Take care of it. We got your back. You're part of an organization. No, no, I don't want the Rooney. The Roonies get off on everything. I don't want them getting off on this. He was implying that an envelope of money cash was given to him for a legal hit on Massacoy. Is that who it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For one of his several cheap shots that he did. All right. He was a great player, no doubt about it. But he is the cheap shot artist, the ultimate headhunter. All right. They didn't get him then, but I want him and his comments to take the organization down the path they need to go. This needs to be on the level of Bounty Gate with the Saints. All right. I want Tom one suspended for a year. Uh, (laughs) Let's crash down on this. Hey, player safety first. Player safety first. The NFL. You you really really believe believe that it was definitely, um, that was definitely, uh, I guess, Bounty set up. And he's getting money for actually hitting the guy illegally. You really think that that's what they were doing? Absolutely. Tomlin gave him an envelope to pay for his fine. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We that's- know this stuff goes on. We found out this was going on in the NFL during the uh, Saints bounty gap that gap that <laughs> gate thing when Greg Williams got in trouble and all that stuff. So, and you know, it still goes on. And he came out and said it. So my question is, why would you come out and say something like that, right? He don't have an axe to grind with the Steelers anymore. Remember how the breakup was kind of nasty because he still wanted to play at like 50 years old and want right. to give it up? So He left and he came back, though. He left and came back. And, he, yeah. and, he's, and it's not like he's some guy that just randomly runs his mouth either. Like, he's a pretty with it guy. He's a pretty intelligent dude. So, I mean, he's not just going to just say something randomly to say it. You know what I mean? Well, well he's yeah, he's – yeah, he knows what he was doing. He's sticking it to him, all right? Now, for some reason, the Roonies and Steelers organization, for some reason, never gets in trouble for this kind of stuff. It's almost like Alabama in, co- uh, in college football. You know, a bunch of stuff happens and just goes away. 
Yeah. One little thing happens to a Big Ten team, it blows up. All right. So I want an investigation. I want an investigation. I want people suspended. Baseball just got done suspending a bunch of people for cheating. I want them all gone. I want, you know what? Just kick the Steelers out for a year. How about we just take them out for a year? That would be fantastic. What do you think? They can add the Jaguars to the AFC North. That would that would work out good for me. <laughs> I don't know if Steelers fans would appreciate that, man. And plus, I don't they, care what they think. Honestly, and it's just like uh, different recruiting, ways of recruiting in college athletics. You know, Steelers, if they, even if they did do it, they got caught doing it, they'd probably investigate every team, and every team's probably doing it. Or at least a majority of the teams are probably doing it. I'm not saying that is right. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised. So I just don't know if the investigation is really worth it. Well, here's the deal. They said player safety is of the utmost importance now. And if you have a head coach in the league currently right now, they gave an envelope to a player for an illegal hit. No, to pay a fine. He gave him to 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 pay a fine. He ain't allowed to pay his fine. He ain't allowed to pay his fine. By paying his fine, he's encouraging him to go out and hit somebody else in the head. So, yeah, yeah, I, and he come and the fact and the reason we're having this conversation is because he came out and said it, right? That's what I want to know. I wonder why he came out and said it. I wonder what so he said. Let me go back to this picture back in the day, post it on Twitter and say, "Hey, I got some envelope from Mike Tomlin after I made this hit or whatever." I wonder what I wonder what possessed him to do that. Like I said, hey, I didn't say right. he wanted to stick to the Steelers, but he ended up going back to the Steelers and retiring the Steelers, didn't he? I, I'm not sure if that finished up right or not. All I know is it's like college football and stuff like that. When you make a deal with the devil, it always comes back to get you. All right? Look at S. Trussell about Terrell Pryor. Won you a lot of games, but now you're at Youngstown State, right? So, right. you know, when you make, you make these packs with these guys that can ball, but you know something's going to happen, and that's James Harrison, Coventry comment. That's I expected nothing less. But I love it because that's an action football. football investing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the investigation. He'd been cheap shotting since high school, man. I was out there on the field. I seen it. He'd been doing that for a long time. <laughs> so you thought he was you thought he was lit up on Christmas Street, didn't you? <laughs> no. He's legit, man. He was a baller. You know, like I said, I ain't taking nothing away. Anything I'm saying right now, I ain't saying nothing about his game. Man, you knew he was a special player when you played against him in high school, no right. doubt. But uh, you know, doesn't mean he didn't take some money, right? So I'm calling well, for an investigation. That's all I'm saying. Dan's probably call for an investigation every week of this podcast until it actually happens. We'll see if it actually does. But as of right now, Dan's be pushing for it. He's probably writing a letter right now to the commissioner saying, Hey, you guys need to investigate the, the Steelers organization. You guys need to stick it to him too. That's and, right. But I, I, I feel like it's, it's still a personal vendetta being the fact that you're a Browns fan. Personal vendetta against the Steelers. If it wasn't the Steelers, you'd probably be pushing this hard for it. No, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally unbiased on this podcast. You know, I have no biases whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, none. So, <laughs> I'm going – I'm going with uh, calling for an investigation. That's all what right. I want. And we'll, so, we'll, so from now on this podcast, there's, all, there's always been one thing I called for, and that's the return of LeBron James. Now we're going to have this. I want an investigation into, I'm going to call it Tomlin Gate. 
Tomlin Gate. I want an investigation. <laughs> Not Rooney Gate, because he, I mean, ultimately it was Rooney that was paying the money. Yeah, so. I think it should be Rooney Gate. I'm tired of him being untouchable. I'm tired of it. All right. Let's go. Let's get some investigation. And I'm telling you right now that this will go away because the Steelers, for some reason, are allowed to do whatever they want. So I don't expect anything to come for this, but I will be calling for it. Tell tell we have resolution. <laughs> all right. Hey, we'll we'll keep tabs in the story. We'll see what happens. We'll see what's good. Um all right, hey, looking up. The the last dance documentary episode seven and eight. I watched it this week. It's coming to an end tonight. Uh, the last two episodes. Uh, we think about the last ep- the last two episodes with uh, the the kind of the highlights were like Jordan's dad's murder, him leaving basketball, retiring to play baseball. And one thing I found interesting was like when he came back, how he was pushing people. He pushed people before, but you know he really was kind of he wasn't hated. He was kind of feared though by his teammates. So I also thought that was interested, and I also thought it was interesting with uh, Scottie Pippen refusing to go in the game, you know, when Jordan was gone at the end of the playoffs for because he wasn't picked to shoot the game-winning shot, and Tony Kukoc was. So, you know, what do you think about those things? First of all, let's start with Jordan's, Jordan's dad's murder and how that affected him. Man, I'll tell you what. This last dance has more twists and turns than a Kardashian sitcom of 10 years, man. <laughs> there's so much that you can talk about, like – I, I, I supposedly Pippen's upset, you know, to talk about that real briefly because he, he isn't coming off looking too good in a lot of this. I understand why he would be upset. You know, Rodman even felt compelled to come out and defend him, uh, you know, because we have that where they made it a big point. All the good stuff Pippen did, they focused on that where he wanted to go back in. Now, <laughs> to, to make it clear, that was kind of a big moment. You know, they needed that win. And Kukos right. came through for him, so Phil Jackson looked like the genius that he is once again. Uh, well, and plus Tony Kukos hit game-winning shots with him previously that season, like four of them. So oh, yeah. Kukos was a good player, man. People forget that he was a good player. And uh, you got to think too, you know, the, the his dad getting murdered. That rest, uh, I mean, that's horrible. I mean, that's just a random thing. Uh, what, about, what about all the conspiracy theories that came from that? Though? I think it was because of, like, Jordan's gambling debts. That's pretty disgusting. For one, there's no evidence that he ever didn't not pay his get, debts, you know, debts or whatever, right? You know? Right. And right. he even said, he goes, what did he say? He goes, I have a competition problem, not a gambling problem. He goes, if I had to sell my cars and my house to pay people and stuff like that, that'd be different. He goes, I got the money, which I can respect. It doesn't mean you don't have a gambling problem, but that you know, he has the means to support his problem, right? Right, so, right. Uh, but that was disgusting that that stuff was uh, tied to his dad's murder. I mean, that's just the lowest level of journalism. Those journalists would have fit in right right in with this group we got going on today. You know what I mean? Right, right. No, I mean, I, I agree 100%. I mean, it's terrible that, that that's what, you know, in the aftermath that everything's going on, his family shot there was going on. You know, and then that's that's what they come to. You know, that that's the conclusions they come to. So I mean, it, it's kind of terrible that they that they did that, and you know, it's an unfortunate situation, but yet not surprising because everybody's always trying to find something. You know, and the fact that it's Michael Jordan just enhances it so much more. You know, it's terrible, terrible to see that. So, but it's yeah, crazy. You know Sorry, too, uh, well, that was what was interesting. Yeah, the the whole thing was crazy. But yeah, about his dad. Yet you, you were going to say something else about that. 
No, I would say just it was it's crazy overall. It's all the twists and turns that these that the team went through, you know, just throughout the all the titles, you know, especially the last season, but just in general throughout the title, their dynasty runs, everything that's gone into that, like all the drama that was surrounding the team. But and maybe it's normal for you know professional organizations to go through go through all of that, but it's still kind of crazy. You know what else I thought was kind of funny from this uh last dance. So one thing that stood out to me was his fight with Steve Kerr and how he punched Steve Kerr, you know, right, and right. Phil Jackson threw him out of practice. He's like, man, I feel terrible. I punched the smallest guy on the floor or something <laughs> like that. But you know what? What would do? What if he'd have punched Rodman or if he'd have punched Luke Longley, who was like seven, two and enormous, like right. what would happen then? <laughs> that yeah. would have been a good story. Well, yeah, I mean, things. I think he could hold his own because I mean, it's not like growing up, like him and his brothers getting into fights all the time. So, and he must have done enough to make everybody on his team fear him enough to think that he, they will probably lose that fight. You know what I mean? Because he would say whatever he wanted to him, pretty much, and he would push them beyond probably most of their limits. And he did not care. He did not care. He's basically like, "I'm saying this to you. I'm saying this to your face." about you i'm whooping on the court what are you gonna do about it you know yeah <laughs> but i would say yeah i'll take jordan all day long on the basketball court but in a fight uh i got my money on robin <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> that dude is just so strong and big you know it's kind of under under not under talked about that he was like six eight and pretty jacked you know i mean that's that's just god-given stuff right there that he can go out and party till you know, the wee hours of the morning and then uh, get up and just go ball. I mean, that's right. that's awesome. So, and he was the energy guy. That's the thing. He was like, he was like your glue guy. You know what I mean? But like, he was the most athletic, strongest dude on the court. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And he could score. I mean, the guy scored, what, 28 points a game in, you know, college. He just accepted his role. And it was just such a perfect fit for those Detroit Pistons teams and, and for, you know, the Bulls in particular. Um, right. You know, he could have been a good fit anywhere. You know, his person, you know, he's obviously a little bit of a different dude. You know, he had a little issue with San Antonio and Greg Popovich. Not shocking. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. You, you didn't fit into the Spurs way. Like, he wouldn't fit into the Patriot way, probably. You know what yeah. I mean? Luckily, he had, luckily he had, like, Phil Jackson as a coach, kind of the Zen master and, you know, he probably accepts everybody for who they are and how they are. He's all right, let's coach their strengths and let's make sure they stay on board with the program. And so, yeah, and it, yeah, and it kind of didn't work out with the Lakers, really. And then he had that stint with the Mavs there at the end, where at that point he was no obviously no longer interested in uh, playing basketball because Mark Cuban would have let him do whatever he wanted. But, you know, right, right. At that point, he gone off the rails. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the last dance is great, and then like you know, it's getting a lot of airplay, and it's a lot of what people are talking about. But the end of episode seven, when he's like, "You don't like the way I play," like it's just the ultimate competitor. I mean, that gives you goosebumps, makes you want to go play again yourself. You know, uh, <laughs> it's a motivating documentary, man. If you were a kid or still a ball player right now, I mean, that that should get you ready to go want to do something. I mean, yeah, I it's think, I think most of the youth or whatever. I mean, obviously. When I, even when I was watching Jordan back in the day, all right, so those first three championships, I was like 12. You know what I mean? So I remember them 
you know, and I was in the second three, I remember more because I was going into high school as far as all that, you know what I mean? But, you know, they have no, they heard about Jordan and they probably saw a couple clips, but they don't really know what it's like to watch them on a daily basis or whatever. You know, I remember, you know, coming home from church, we eat dinner and we watch either the Bulls on TV, the Pistons or the Lakers. Cause that's who was on TV all the time. And they're well, on you know, Jordan transcended basketball to like the point where like he was the biggest star in the world, regardless of, you know, uh, sports or entertainment or movies or anything. And, you know, Rodman, obviously during that, his time with the bulls was probably the most recognizable person in the world. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he's still got buddies with Kim Jong over all this, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but, uh, uh, (laughs) It's just, uh, you know, it's hard. Like, and, and like you said, it, this was a really a long time ago now. I mean, Jordan won his last title in 1998. That was my senior high school. So, I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember it and, you know, watched it. And I had a Bulls 91 jersey. Man, I love Dennis Rodman because that's the way I tried to model my game, you know, playing hard and stuff like that. And uh, right. I had the big Bulls starter coat. I think every kid of my generation had, regardless of who you liked. You know what I mean? So. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, people were wearing their Jordans. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to describe that to the young people now because, I, to me, there's no equivalent today of the level of superstardom and excitement and overall, like, pop culture, like, top thing that everybody was talking about, like that Bulls team, the running of the Bulls. Right, right. No, that, that's true. That's true. I mean, individually, like on the court, the closest player that probably came to him was Kobe. You know, probably mentality and everything, because he, he would probably you know do the same thing to his teammates as far as trying to push them and drive them to be better and everything. Obviously, when Kobe was playing, LeBron came on the scene, so you know, LeBron kind of is a superstar in itself. You know, so him and Kobe are you know right there in line with each other. I'd say overall, but you know, around the world, if you say Kobe. You know, pretty much most people are going to know you're talking about Kobe Bryant, and they don't necessarily have to be a basketball fan to know that. Yeah, I'll tell you what. People have come out that have been Kobe's teammates in the past and said some bad stuff about him. Uh, he was not a great teammate from, you know, I forget what player it is. I'd have to look it up. I wish I had it off the top of my head right now, but uh, that player came out and, you know, said that Kobe is like, why are you talking to me? You ain't done that yet. Talk to me when you've done something in this league. You know, he kind of had that elitist thing and that's where i kind of like lebron gets lebron's like the new modern manager right like the days of yelling and screaming are over now you now you try to encourage your teammates and stuff like that now that doesn't mean lebron ain't screaming at his teammates during the heat of the battle in the game you know what i mean look at at mario chalmers he caught he caught the brunt all the time oh my god (laughs) chalmers took a beating man like Uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, that's one of the reasons Kyrie bounced because I think he was tired of LeBron yelling at him on the court. But after, after the games and stuff like that, you know, LeBron took care of guys, buying them suits, dinners. He he, he created that camaraderie. You know, I mean, if you watch this Bulls last dance, it sounds like Pippen, Robin, and Jordan, not only did they not hang out together, they didn't hang out with the other guys who the other guys all had dinner together every night. You know what I mean? They had like their dinner group. Then you had right. Rodman going to the clubs all night. And you had Jordan, who kind of, it sounds like, kind of hid in his hotel room because, you know, he couldn't even walk out the door without getting jumped on people. And Pippen would go do his own thing. So it was just kind but, of a different thing, you know? 
I also think in practice, like it was almost like Jordan was bad cop and Pippen was kind of good cop too. Though, I, I think I think Pippen kind of, I, I'm not sure. It's just kind of the vibe I get. I don't say smooth things over, but you know he might be going the guy to pull someone off the side and be like, hey, you know, don't worry about this, this or that, or whatever. To kind of just smooth things over for the team. You know, you usually yeah. have guys like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so. Pippen was that guy, but Pippen said, you know, likewise he needed Jordan, and. And one thing I think that people forget, uh, this is a Bulls team when Jordan went to play basketball that was one game away from going back to the finals. Like, this was a good team. Like, they had Horse Grant, right? Mm -hmm. Scotty Pippen, uh, B.J. Armstrong, Steve Kerr, uh, had all those big centers like Wennington and stuff still. And they literally went to game seven with the Knicks in the NBA finals the following year. Obviously, Scotty Pippen with the lead. They got Tony Kukos. So, you know, this idea that Michael Jordan, you know, this idea that he wasn't playing on somewhat of a super team is kind of – there's always been super teams. Look at the Lakers. Look at the Celtics. So this idea of people trashing players today for being on super teams is kind of unfair. Right. I agree. But the the difference today is that players jump around teams. Back then, like, the star players stayed with their teams and people came to them instead of bouncing to other teams, right? So, you know, you could never imagine Magic Johnson playing for somebody else, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Michael Jordan. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's a little different. But there – Let's let's be real. Jordan's team was really good. You know, they, they were they were really good. Yeah, I think that they had two and I guess two Hall of Famers possible. Well, I guess three: Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. Right. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you think about it, and everybody else is pretty much a role player. A good everybody role player, them. though. They had good role players who knew their role. Right. Now it helps I mean, have a Hall of Fame coach too. Yeah, they had a Hall of Fame coach and. Jordan always had like three seven footers on the bench. It was eighteen fouls worth of going in and mugging the other team and protecting him. You know, right. he had Will Purdue, Luke Longley, Bill Cartwright. Uh, I think I said Will Purdue. Uh, oh Clint. And we forgot Ron Harper. They had Ron Harper on that team too. Uh, so I mean, right. the team was stacked. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I would. No, they they were good. They weren't the average NBA team for sure. Obviously, they won six championships. And the core yeah. remained there for the most part. So, so I know they were doing bad the following year. You know, the year Jordan came back, but they had also lost Horace Grant, the free agency to the Magic, who was their power rebounder. You know that Rodman became, right. and they lost some players. So when Jordan came back, he wasn't coming back to the same team he left. But the team he left was the team the year before that won the Game Seven of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. You know, so right. he probably, he probably uh, also wasn't quite in basketball shape either. Coming back, you know what I mean? No, no, and I don't want to get into the LeBron Jordan comparisons, but people who think Jordan didn't have a good team, you know, don't. I hope this realize that he this this actually shows that he, you know, was on some good teams. Like when LeBron left Cleveland, they went eighteen games. Jordan's team went to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game Seven. So right, right, no, that's true. Well, what LeBron did to his first day in Cleveland, getting into the championship the finals, I thought that was super impressive, just because. His supporting cast was literally like his supporting cast. I mean, his number two guy was usually what? Delonte West? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Delonte West or like it'd be like Mo, what's his name? Mo, um, 
Yeah, it's Ilgowskis was number two. That's his number two is, is Ilgowskis. It's Ilgowskis, yeah. So, I mean, come on, man. He went to – I still to this day think his most impressive game, as many as he's had, was when he scored like 24 straight points against the Pistons and left them to the NBA Finals against the Spurs team that I knew they had no business playing and had a chance against. But right. the line is he took them to the Finals and, you know, it's just crazy. So, you know, I don't want to get into the big LeBron Jordan – comparisons we can do that another time but uh the last dance i hope everybody's you know they're getting to see some good stuff and getting to see the real story it feels like you know i know jordan had final say over everything but i still think we're getting a good documentary here yeah no i agree 100 it's definitely interesting it's captivating like i said there's enough drama going on we're like man i can't believe all this is happening and you know i'm excited to see you know the end of it tonight you know, I'm, I'm ready for it as far as doing that. And it's going to be good. So, I mean, I actually have some sporting events to look forward to. Kay's already asked me why I'm not down here watching right now because NASCAR is live. It's on today. It's going on right now. I'm not even watching. I'm trying to keep it quiet in my basement while I do this podcast. But when we're done, <laughs> I'll be out there watching NASCAR. And I'll be watching the last dance later on tonight. So, I'm hyped. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I wonder if there'll be any big revelations for the last two episodes, something that'll catch us off guard. There's got to be something. There's got to be something. I mean, I'm sure they're going to get into actually the game. It's going to talk about Jordan's last shot against the Jazz, you know, playing against Stockton alone. You know, I'm sure it's going to get into all that. But, yeah, there has to be something. I'm sure it's going to catch everybody off guard for sure. But The uh, previews are showing that there's going to be a big focus on the Indiana team, which, you know, admittedly was great, and that was an awesome series. That was probably their biggest test, um, right. especially compared to any team they played in the finals. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, I'm interested in that. And, you know, I, I do kind of feel bad for Reggie Miller because I thought he was a great player, and that, that team was great. You know, they had that Rick Smith and Mark Jackson, but, you know, I don't know. You know I guess it just wasn't their time. You know, the Davis, the Davis brothers, not brothers, but, you know, Dale and uh, whatever the other Davis name was. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll be interested to see that for sure. So, it's hard for me to remember now, but when the Bulls dynasty ended in 98, I'm trying to think. That was kind of starting to be the rise of the Lakers, right, with Colby and Shaq and Kobe all that. Shaq. I think is when yeah. all that was starting. So, nobody was beating that team. So... I know the Pistons finally did an 0-4, but that was a team in turmoil. So, uh, right. yeah, yeah, that was the Pacers' shot right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, wasn't there a year in between when the, the Bulls won it and the Lakers won it? Who won in between them? Was it the Spurs? Uh, Houston Rockets won both titles in between the Bulls' dynasty. Well, I mean, that was, they won it in between the three-peats, but they went yeah. back-to-back. But there, who won in between, like, after the last championship, after the Bulls' last championship, and the Lakers' first championship. Oh, trying to think. I'll have to look that up. Someone in there. It's, it, it's probably it's probably the Spurs. I think it was the Spurs. Like David Robinson, Tim Duncan. Like Duncan might have been a rookie or something like that. Oh it yeah, I think it might have been Spurs because David Robinson was about done around that time. Yeah, it might have been the Spurs' first title. Right. Right. So. You know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Elena tried to call on the phone and knock my headset out real quick. So hopefully everybody can still hear me. And if not, we're gonna you know, keep going with the show. So but um let's go ahead and let's go ahead and, and look at the next topic coming up where it was uh, Lonzo Ball 
benching and had been benching 225 five times. Now the question is, what NBA players do we think couldn't even do it once? <laughs> yeah. So for one, the reason this came up is because I, you know, I see in Twitter, Lonzo Ball put this out on Twitter, him benching 225. And while he's doing it, he does like a rep or two reps. And then he asks the guy spotting him like, how much is this? And the guy's like, yeah, that's 225. He does it like three more times for a total of five. And then he gets up and he's fired up. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's flexing. He's all fired up. And you know what? Like, people killed him for this. Killed him for this. Right? right? Which I think uh, I was actually like, you know, you won't see me defend the Ball family too much, but I'm going to defend him on this. All right? He's an NBA player, man. They're tall. They're lean. All right? 225 is no joke, man. Anybody who's tried to do that that weighs, you know, hundred and 70 pounds, like he probably does at 6'5", or whatever he is, 6'4", right? So, you know, uh, I, I t actually, I don't want to encourage everybody out there to go under and try to bench 225 if you don't know what you're doing. Don't do that. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you, you know, it's not as easy. So all these people crushing him online and stuff like that, I thought it was kind of unfair, you know. So what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of unfair. No, you you have to look at the at the weight set. It looks like it's a it's a home, you know, in home weight set. So it's not your normal stuff you're gonna find at your gym and everything. So they said it's two twenty five, we're taking that the word that was two twenty five. I can tell you it's not as easy as everybody thinks unless you're doing it on a regular basis. You know I don't know, especially NBA players, I think it'd be tough. A lot of times they are taller, they are leaner, and they're not trying to lift for weight like that for bulk. So you know, I think Lonzo Ball doing it. Yeah, it's kind of impressive that he did it because he's not a big guy as far as doing that. And um, I'm sure there's many players in the league that can't do it. Like, for instance, like a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry. You know, I doubt they're even getting it up once. Steph Curry might be able to get it. I, like, I think Steph Curry put it up once before Kevin Durant could just because of the sheer wingspan. Well, you know, Kevin Durant, supposedly it was out there at the time. And they, it actually concerned uh, some of the scouts, I guess. Uh, he wasn't actually able to put up 185 once, supposedly. Right. So, uh, you know, I I just can't see Kyrie Irving doing it. I can't. I definitely can't see John Morant doing it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these guys who post get on the video and start posting benching 225 with Lonzo. I'd like to see that. I want to see who's got it. But, like, you know <laughs> – you know, you got to remember, like, this isn't football. You know what I mean? Like, if, if a football player does it five times and gets all excited, well, you know, that's – I got news for you, brother. There's a, there's a lot of people out there doing it a whole lot more now on the football right. field. But that's a different kind of build and everything, you know. So, you know, these guys are tall and lean. And the fact that he's in there doing that kind of workout – because, you know, most guys don't even uh, – don't even do that kind of workout anymore. I mean, ask Carmelo Anthony. Has he ever even seen the gym until recently when he found out nobody wanted him no more? And he's like, man, I might have to do something. Right. I mean, you know, I just – I thought he was unfairly criticized and crushed for this online. Everybody's saying that and people's laughing and stuff like that. But, you know, a whole lot of them people laughing and stuff probably can't put it up themselves. So, you know. Nope, I agree. Yeah, it's just – Yeah, 100% yeah. on that. Most people probably couldn't do it, so they, you know, they're they're out there, they're Twitter warriors, and they're behind their keyboard saying whatever they want to say. So I just let them say it. But 
Yeah, so I got some love for Lonzo for getting that up. I don't care if he posts it and got fired up. That's good work. <laughs> Get it done. Get it. Let's 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 see ten reps next time. Let's uh, next all season put it up for ten right. reps. Yeah, he's, you know I mean? he's pushing. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do it. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm telling you, a lot of these guys can't do it. I mean, most of these NBA players, the only thing they're able to bench is a Kardashian. I mean, I'm telling you, a lot of them aren't benching, no. Yeah, I'm telling you, a lot of them ain't repping no 225 like Lonzo. Yeah, I, I you agree. know, there's guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, LeBron could do it, but you know, LeBron ain't benching. You know, if you ever watch him, he's doing dumbbells and bands and rubber balls and all that kind of new stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, I got some love for it. I got love for you, Lonzo. Keep putting it up. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I got love for him, too. It's all good. Keep pushing it. I'm, I'm on board with that for sure. Um, did you see the pitcher, the major league player, uh, Snell? He's a pitcher. His rant on not pitching for less money if the major, if major league baseball comes back. So he's not putting himself out there for less money. He's got to get his. And Bryce Harper pretty much agreed with him. Yeah. But I think the way he did it was probably not that smart. <laughs> you know, you, you just you're not coming off as a sympathetic player when you're a major league player that they're asking to take a pay cut to making you know a couple million dollars instead of a lot of million dollars when there's a lot of people out there not working. Right. right? Exactly. So, and to play baseball, so it's really a perception thing. You know, whether you think. Now, me and you are in agreement. We're people that think that these players do deserve to make the kind of money they do, right. you know, because the, it's a business and the business generates a lot of money. And when a business generates a lot of money, employees should be paid well because the business is right. doing good. So it's just like anything else. And baseball makes a lot of money. So uh, I got no problem with them wanting, making that kind of money. So, but here's the problem. They're not making money right now. If there's no season, I read today that baseball owners could lose a combined $4 billion, $4 billion. So they're trying to come up like most companies nowadays, like any bar, restaurant or anything like that. They're trying to come up with ways to at least generate some revenue to keep things afloat, right? right? So they're talking about maybe playing a shortened season with less money because right, right now, if there's no fans, they ain't, they ain't generating that kind of money. You know, they're just going to have the TV contracts. So they want the players to share in some of that hardship, you know, like a lot of companies will. Now, the reason baseball is a little different than a lot of companies is, is baseball is a union. Is Baseball players are represented by a union. So whenever you're talking pay cuts with a business, right, where a union represents the employees, you have to have that negotiation. You can't just do it with, you know, non-union companies where you can just say, hey, we're going to have to take a 5% pay cut because, you know, the economy stinks or the pandemic or we're going to cut your 401k. You know, baseball is a business with union employees that they have to negotiate right. with, right? But when you have one of your members coming out and saying, uh, no, I got to get my money, and this is these are exact quotes, I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? And that's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher and the amount of money I'm making is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? Well, knucklehead, you think about doing it because your business ain't generating no money and, and some's better than none. Right. And you're saying it's dangerous because of the virus out there? 
but it's not too dangerous to pay for full price. Like this is bad, bad publicity for baseball, right? right? Yeah, so, uh, and, and, you know, everybody's killing him for this. And usually, I, you know, I don't like the, you know, yeah, he deserves it. Like the beating he's getting in the media for this is, uh, is deserving. If he really thinks this, when you're represented by a union, you're not supposed to talk. You know what I mean? You let your negotiators negotiate right, exactly. a deal. Yeah, you don't want the public image, you know. You don't want the bad public image. He definitely there, came out right? tone deaf. You know, you know, as far as everything's like, there's a lot of other people that are without jobs right now that don't have the salary he does, and they're struggling. You know, and I doubt he's struggling like they are. You know, I'm sure if they open back up and they they get a partial salary to get their jobs back, they're gonna be more than willing to take it. You know, especially they understand a situation where there hasn't been baseball for the first third of the season or whatever it is. So, yeah, th- this is crazy. Like, and he says, I'll go do something else. Well, I got news for him, man. It's going to be hard to find something else. So you're going to make more money uh, than that, you know, with a partial paycheck, exactly. right? <laughs> Doing something you love. Maybe he don't love baseball. Maybe he hates it. Like, you know, some people hate their jobs. He's just doing it for pay. You know, sometimes we assume that these players love playing the game. Well, not all of them do. Some of them are just talented. It's just a job to them. Maybe that's how he feels about it. So I'm not going to go down that path. But I am going to go down the path. He ain't going to find a couple million dollars working at McDonald's. Matter of fact, he ain't going to make a couple million dollars being the CEO of uh, the Southwest of McDonald's, <laughs> right? So, yep, uh, <laughs> yeah, so coming out and saying it's just stupid comments. I just, you know, it's just bad optics, right? Yep, for sure. For sure. No, I, I agree. I agree. Bryce Harper should have stayed quiet, too. It's just, it's all dumb. Like I said, it's, it's, everything should be left up to the union leaders. Let them in Major League Baseball negotiate. And, you know, if he has a disagreement, he can talk with them and his union, you know, in whatever private meetings that they have. He definitely shouldn't have aired his opinion out on that one. Although, he, I guess he has a right to, but it just makes him look really bad. It makes baseball look bad. Well, baseball, and baseball could come out and be like, here's the finances. So, when you're represented by a union, the company has to divulge financial information to you in a, right. in a lot of ways. Like the Teamsters Union has to be able to see the books of the companies it represents to justify the negotiation position, right? So all the owners have to do is open up the books and show the union leaders. They don't have to show everybody, but they got to show the leaders, uh, hey, this is how much money we're losing. We think it's reasonable that you guys play at this level and will share the loss. Some of these players like Snell don't want to share right. the loss, but I would say sharing the loss is a lot better. The alternative of no yep. money at all. So I just think you got to use your head. And, you know, sometimes people come out with boisterous statements like this during negotiations, just to try to, you know, bully the other side or, you know, hold firm, no position, try to get as much right. as you can. I don't think this particular situation is that. I think this is him just going off the handle, and it makes him look really bad. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, I mean, we'll see how it's going forward. I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting for sure on all sides. It'll be interesting. So, I'm looking forward to that. So, oh, yeah. All right. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. First of all, I'm hearing rumblings 
of a Tyson Holyfield rematch again. Now, Tyson, there's video of Tyson working out, and he's looking good. He says he's back. What do you think about that? I mean, Holyfield will probably come back or whatever to do the fight. I would, I would venture to guess, but Tyson looks good. Looks good. Uh, yeah, the video, the video is impressive. How quick and the shots he was throwing and stuff like that. And uh, he also looked impressive in the Kickboxer Two movie Retaliation with Van Dam. I, ch- I recommend you check out that movie. Uh, Got a quality fight scene with Tyson versus, uh, you know, one of the guys in the movie. Yeah, you got to check it out. But, but uh, yeah, Tyson, uh, he looks good. You know, Holyfield always stays in shape because he needs that next paycheck. But uh, I think if they did this fight, they'd have to set it up for, like, maybe six rounds, one-minute rounds. <laughs> yeah, it think? definitely couldn't be the normal 12-round 12, 12 bout. No, it's definitely an exhibition. Definitely have to be an exhibition. Yeah. So. And I don't think we need anybody getting hurt or any ears getting bit off or anything like that. I mean, Tyson should probably go back to talking to the pigeons. Let's get the pigeon show back. Now, we don't need to see you go out there and hurt yourself. Let's get back on the pigeons. Let's get chill again. Let's go back on the speaking tour. I mean, he's stopped the this. speaking tour. I think he's been out talking. He's been, you know, enjoying himself. You know, he's promoting his cannabis and that lifestyle, and he just seems happier. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely uh, – uh, you know, a guy who uh, it's all dawned on him. It, you know, how we talk about some guys, when's it going to click? It's clicked with him for quite right. some time now. Now, uh, you know what? Is Floyd Mayweather versus McGregor was probably the worst thing ever publicity-wise, stunt-wise, for just making a paycheck and making some money right. for a lot of people. Would probably surpass that level of ridiculousness just because these are guys way past their prime. I can't believe we're even talking about this. This might even be a real thing. I know. Mostly talking about it because that the video that Tyson put out, and maybe that's the start of publicity for it. Everybody saw the video. Man, Tyson looks good. Where's Holyfield? Where's Holyfield? Even if, if Holyfield put out yeah. a video, he's not going to look as good as Tyson did because Holyfield just doesn't punch as hard as Tyson. That's just, He just doesn't. That's not his style. That's not his game. Well, I think he's older. You say what? Yeah, I think he's. I think he's older too. And you know what? Like you know, there's a million symptoms now for this COVID. We might want to add madness to the symptoms list because people are going insane if they're thinking up the stuff like this to watch now. It's getting and we need live sports back, man. That's I'm hyped about NASCAR. Once I get off the stall, I'm be watching this race. Telling you. Yeah, but here, quick question. If Tyson and Holyfield fight on pay-per-view, you getting it? <laughs> Am I getting it? I would only get it if there's a yeah. bunch of other people to throw in on it, like a bunch. I'd be willing to host it. So you, I'd be willing to host though. it. I'd be willing to watch it. But there's nothing else I want to watch leading up to it. You know what I mean? I don't want to watch any other fights. I just want to see if Tyson can knock out Holyfield. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be good. Yeah. So we also got to talk some boxing soon. We got Tyson Fury potentially fighting Joshua in a mega heavyweight fight in the Middle East again. That'll be coming up soon. We'll have to get some boxing in here on the next I think podcast. Tyson will work, but uh, Anthony Joshua. To be honest with you, I I do too. I think he's. I think when it's all said and done, he'll go down as one of the best heavyweights of all time. That's a bad yep, man agree. right there. I agree. So. All right, hey, did you? And I know you sent this article to me talking about uh, 
for a former retired, um, I guess he's a retired offensive line for the Baltimore Ravens, Marshall Yonda, his crazy weight loss since his playing days. So to picture him next to a Peloton bicycle um, in his home, and he just slimmed up, and it seems to be the trend about around a lot of NFL retired offensive linemen. When they're out of the league, they don't have to stay as big. They get slimmed up, and you know, they're looking more svelte. What do you think? I love this story, man, because when you play football, particularly at the level he did in the NFL, and you have to carry that kind of weight while taking that beating on your body, right? right? And, you know, when you're a star like – I mean, this we're talking a pro ball. We're talking to one of the top guards to ever play the game. That's what level right. this guy's on. And – uh he, he, he said he had to find that competitive drive. He needed an outlet still, and his he, he directed it toward losing weight and getting in shape. And uh, he said three months on the Peloton. I read his diet, strict diet and everything, and it's just amazing. You look at Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas said his knees hurt so bad he couldn't do anything but walk for the first couple months when he retired to start getting right. his weight off. Right. And, uh, that takes a lot of willpower, and I think it's encouraging – now, you know, these guys got a lot of money and stuff, too, so you don't know what else they could be doing. I'm not saying they are, but, you know, a lot of people do do the HGH and stuff now, but I'm not saying they are, but that's part of what a lot of people do. But uh, I think it's encouraging to, uh, you know, to see the other linemen and stuff like that. You know, when these guys get so big in college and then they get out 22 years old, weighing 300-something pounds. uh you know, it's it's a, it's a health problem. It's a problem. No, I, I agree, hundred percent for sure. You know, them doing that, and they have to, like I said, they they bulk up in college. Usually, they come in from a different position, or you know, they come in as an eighteen year old kid. They might be like two seventy or something like that, and then by the time they leave, they're like three thirty, you know, or something crazy. You know, they bulk on the weight. They have to keep the weight on. You know, they have to carry that weight around on a regular basis. You know, they have to make sure that it's good weight and not bad weight. You know, be able to still move and be, you know, especially for him, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. So and the fact that he's able to do that, carry that weight, and like he's done, he has competitive drive to to do that, to lose the weight, and to have that outlet to put to folks that on losing weight. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, like it was a top article on ESPN. You know, we're talking one of the top guards of all time. Uh, you know. Uh, won the uh, super, you know, won a Super Bowl at the Ravens and everything. Matter of fact, I'm glad he's retiring. But uh, that's that's what kind of player he was out of the University yep. of Iowa. And I don't know. And I'll tell you what, the one that even looks more impressive than him is CC Sabathia. Did you see the picture? All the way he lost. I haven't seen him yet. Oh man, you got to see that. This dude went from like the biggest Yankee of all time. To like he's lean and really? lean now, uh, so you know I'm glad these stories are out there. It's encouraging. I mean, even even me to this day, like you know, uh, when I played defensive line, I was a defensive end. You're like eating eight turkey sandwiches for lunch, and you're drinking these meal replacement shakes, and you're trying to get as big as possible. And then when you get out when you're 22, now you got to fight that urge, you know. And it's something I think a lot of people, bigger people battle the rest of their life you know it's just genetics it's a struggle and you know it's something i will always have to watch you know and try to eat as good as i can you know so it's just me personally that yeah i've been losing that battle 
on that. It's like, you know, I really need to, you know, just focus and focus for more than like four months at a time. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I'm focused, do it. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm off the wagon, uh, focus. I'm doing it. I'm with it. Then I'm off the wagon. I need to, to focus and be all in on it and really push it. So. Yeah, it's tough. And, uh, you know, people got lives, you know, you got kids, you got work and stuff like that. You know, me and you work a lot of hours through the years and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. And we're not just talking about athletes. Like you think it should be easier for athletes because we already know how to work out and all that stuff, but other people are overweight who never played ball. You know, it's the struggles real and, you know, what What do they say? Most health issues are linked to being overweight. I mean, it's a big problem in this country, and it's hopefully, uh, you know, people keep putting out them inspiring things like that. You know, looking at what Yanda looks like and Joe Thomas and CeCe Sabathia, I mean, this is good yep. stuff. And, you know, it should let people know that they can do that because uh, it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, I'll always fight it myself and – you know, our dads are bigger dudes, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, so, genetics is there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Yep. Hey, Tristan Thompson, baby mama drama and potential new baby mama that he's doing. What do you think about that? You hear about that? Man, Tristan Thompson, the Cleveland Cavalier, always scoring on the court and off the court in the, in the spotlight. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Uh, this probably would be your messing with the money segment if it wasn't for something even better that we got coming up. But, uh, you know, just, I don't know, Tristan, man, you got to stay, stay out of the media, man. You got to just, he's always in there. He's got Chloe. Uh, you know, how many people have had Chloe Lamar, James Harden? You know, I just don't know at what point uh, it's not, you know, it's no longer a, great thing to have a Kardashian as your girlfriend. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I know the publicity you get and stuff like that, but now Tristan, you know, they got to go, you know, this costs you money. You got to sue her. You got to do paternity tests. You got to do this. You got to do that. Right. So, and here's the thing with this, like, unless this girl is completely insane, which, you know, sometimes that could potentially be the case. She wouldn't be doing this if she didn't think it was a legit possibility. Right. Right. And when Tristan has cheated on Chloe like a million times, he's on 50,000 security cameras in Cleveland kissing and hooking up with other women, you know, in bars and stuff like that, right? And the reason we know this is because it's on TMZ because he's involved with Chloe, right? All players, a lot of them do that, but they're not on the media because they're not with Chloe Kardashian. So, true. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I agree. I mean, he needs to figure out a way to lay low. I mean, he said he's saying that in this situation that there's no way he could be the father. The the timing doesn't match up, but people always say that, so you never know. Um, the girl that's bringing you know the paternity suit. I mean, she obviously said something about Chloe Kardashian for whatever reason. But Chloe's suing her too for even putting basically putting her name in her mouth as far as that. But yeah, Tristan Thompson just and he, I guess he said if it was his, he he would pay. You know, child support, but he doesn't believe that it's his. So, yeah, it's not really messing with – I guess it could be messing with his money, but he probably should just try to be slightly smarter about how he's how he's uh, presenting himself to everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably going to be somebody else's money too because I think – I mean, 
unless Andre Drummond loses his mind or someone else loses their mind and giving more money, he's going to sign that one-year player option with the Cavs for something ridiculous. It's like $28 million, $26 right. million. So uh, Tristan will be playing somewhere else next year. Maybe he'll get a little closer to the West Coast where he can be on TMZ all the time. Maybe that's what he should do. It's an idea. It's an idea. I mean, it's a thought. So, you know, he might might link back up with LeBron out there in in L.A. He'll be right at home. Yeah, I remember it was a couple years ago. He said he's the best-looking guy (laughs) on the team, all this stuff. I mean – He's saying that with Kevin Love on that team, man. That's like that's like going out there, like you know what I mean. Like you know, Kevin Love went from the big tackle looking dude to trying to be the model looking dude these days. You know, there's a lot of competition, I guess, on the Cavs. A lot of egos out there. <laughs> so true, so true. And then, did you see LeBron making a documentary on the on the Houston Astros cheating scandal? You know, through his production company, I was on Cuby Quibi. I don't have to pronounce that. I know it's a new kind of streaming thing for mobile devices. Yeah, LeBron. I don't I wonder if LeBron has something to do with this because his new stuff is coming out on this. Like as I promised documentary right. and everything. It's been coming out on this new streaming service. There's so many now I can't even keep track of them. It sounds like cable to me now. You got all these streaming services that end up equaling two hundred dollars by the end of the month. Pretty much but uh yeah. Yeah. So uh we know that LeBron, even though he isn't in baseball, uh, took this story to kind of heart. You know what I mean? Like he came out and bashed him. Right, you know what I right. mean? And, you know, not even his sport, really not his place to say, but he did anyway. And now he's doing a documentary on it. So he's taking that cheating stuff serious because you know he's going to kill the Astros. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, he's definitely going to. So if he ever did anything wrong or bad or terrible, I mean, someone's going to come after him for it, for sure. And I'm telling you what, people's going to come out squealing on this documentary, particularly all these people that lost their jobs, because what do they got to lose now? Unless they're trying to find another job. If, you know, uh, I'll be interested. This is something I'm definitely looking forward to. I think I'll be watching. Uh, Yeah, I'll definitely definitely watch. I want to see see what direction he takes it and, you know, how what he's going to be filming is going to be different than what, what you already see out there. You know, what's already been reported and everything like that. So if you can get the inside scoop on it, yeah, I think it'll be definitely interesting. So it's, 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 yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I'm definitely – Especially because they won the World Series with it. That's the thing. They won the World Series with it. If they were just doing it and they didn't win the World Series, that's one thing. But they won it all. And, you know, most of that's probably talent. But, I mean, it, it the one crazy thing that I saw was it was one game. I think they're facing – they might have been facing – um. I forget who they were facing, but there was like 50 off-speed pitches, and they didn't swing at any of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There, the evidence yeah. is there. Oh, yeah, for sure. They had their system in place, maybe a little archaic, but they had it in place. <laughs> well, look at the batting average differences during the playoffs. Right. Uh, it's Easy what they were hitting at home compared to where they were away. I mean, yeah, especially Altuve. He was hitting like three fifty at home or something like that, and like at like two oh six away. <laughs> no, he was hitting like four something. I think at home and like yeah, like two oh five or one eighty one or something away. It was something. Yeah, crazy. no, it was it was it was yeah. The evidence definitely is mounted against them. They can't deny it. No, they they got to own up to it and 
I mean, do you take? I don't know. Do you take away the World Series? Probably not. But there's definitely probably an asterisk by it. They definitely. Oh, stealing signs is one thing, but the use of technology to do it—that's that's the hard part. You know, if you if you yeah. got a second base, so yeah. they see the signs and they steal it and they have a system that way. I'm not as concerned about that. I let that go because that's the other team's fault for not hiding their signs better. But the use of technology to do it—you know—that means they had to orchestrate that, and it's pretty deep as far as you know, who all's involved. So. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, what do we have next, man? I feel like I've, I've, I've lost something. We got one more rapid fire. We got Rodman in North Korea. More Rodman in North Korea yeah. stories. Did you see the new yeah, stories? I was, I was hoping it, that it would they'd go away, but they keep popping back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So supposedly now when he was over there, it's part of his story. Everybody knows, you know, uh, Rodman's a rocker and big Pearl Jam fan, especially Pumpkins. He liked that alternative scene in the 90s. So supposedly he was in North Korea and they were playing, you know, the same, what, the, the soundtrack to the show Dallas or something while him and Kim Jong, I guess, were just hanging out drinking mm-hmm. beer or something, right? And, yeah, just having a party at his house where he had like 18 good-looking Korean girls come out and play uh, play music for him while they chill. I mean, it must be great to be a dictator, I'm telling you. So he leaves, right, and comes back. And he, well, what he did is he told me, he goes, man, can't they play something else like some Pearl Jam or play some Smashing Pumpkins or something like that? And I guess Kim Jong was like, yeah, we can make that happen next time. So I guess on his next visit, he comes out and goes back to a party at his house or something like that. And these 18 girls, good-looking girls, come out again at his crib or whatever, and they start playing Pearl Jam and stuff. Like, this is, this is craziness. Like, I, I don't even – I can't even believe this is reality. That should be a reality show, Robin in North Korea hanging out with Kim Jong-un or whatever his <laughs> yeah, name is. Yeah, and apparently, you know, he, Kim Jong-un's been found. You know, he's alive because he's kicking with Robin. So – yeah, yeah, this is crazy. So, uh, I don't even know why this is part of the rapid fire segment. I think we're just bringing it up because it's just ridiculous and has to be mentioned. 100%. Yeah, we don't need to have it here, but, I mean, Robin's hanging out in North Korea, so you got to throw it out there. You have to. <laughs> That's right. The unofficial ambassador in North Korea, Dennis Robin, people. <laughs> Dennis Robin. So... <laughs> So we got we got one more segment, but before we do that one more segment, uh, I told Terrell, I sent this article, and I give a shout-out to my high school coach at Manchester High School in Akron, Manchester Panthers, Jim France, retiring after a 49-year career as a head coach, and he leaves as the winningest coach in Ohio high school history, 401 wins, 129 losses, and four ties. At Manchester, he compiled a record of 398, 122, and 4. All right. From 1971 to 84, and then he took a breakaway, became principal, and they lost a bunch of games. So he came back in 86. He never had a losing season with the Panthers. 25 playoff appearances, 21 principal athletic conference titles since 1989. Uh, Closest he ever got. To win in the big one was actually my senior year, 1997. We lost to Valley View High School in five overtimes 
uh, but he was also a Division Five state finalist in 2013. Uh, just great coach. I couldn't ask to have played for a better person, and uh, I hope he enjoys his retirement. He's earned it. Actually, I don't think he's retiring. I think he's still the principal, but uh, he passed the job off to Jay Brophy, who's kind of a legend himself of Bookdale, which is a, another school in Akron. Uh, this guy, you know, can you imagine being a player playing for this guy? So he won a national after graduating from Bookdale, he played for the national champion Miami Hurricanes in 1983 and was a first team All American. And then he went on to play for the Dolphins and played in the 84 Super Bowl. Uh, crazy, yeah. right? Uh, talk about bringing some cred to the to the right. Field. You can't say he doesn't know the game. He's out there and lived it. So that's that's crazy, though. He's the coach. That's crazy. Your coach coached for 49 years. Can you imagine coaching for 49 years? Can you imagine doing anything for 49 years besides just living? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only coaching for 49 years but being successful. His only losing season was his one year at, you're not going to believe, this Coventry. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> before he came to Manchester – uh, he actually is from uh, Springfield. He's an ex-Marine. Uh, I'm telling you, couldn't have still played for a better guy. I'm so glad I, you know, went to high school there. Uh, definitely was a great experience playing for that and learning a lot. Just a great developer, young man. And, uh, you know, I would hate to be the guy that's following him. That's a tough uh, – Tough uh, act to follow. Uh, this guy actually coached LeBron at St. Vincent St. Mary, was the head coach there from 97 to 2000. Uh, he also, uh, you know, has been a head coach at other areas, other schools, coached arena football. So they're bringing in a guy. He I, And here's the thing, too. He's been on the Manchester staff for two years already. I okay. didn't know this. So uh, there'll be some transition there. Uh, tough act to follow. I wish Jay luck because uh, they haven't had a losing season since 1985. So no yeah, pressure, no, 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 right? So. <laughs> you can't say that you can't win there because it's been proven that someone can win there for almost 50 years, you know, minus two that he was principaling. But <laughs> yeah, and those two years. So I'm hoping that's not what happens here. But like I said, I had to shout him out because he's an all time. You know, great Ohio sports. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Got to shout him out. Great man. Great coach. Hope he enjoys retirement. So, speaking of retirement, and that kind of ties into our next segment with the money, we're going to finish because people just are not listening to Terrell out here. You people are not listening to the Terrell. Do not mess with your money. So, we're going to start our new segment here where every week, Terrell's going to try to educate people on not messing with their money, all right, because people keep messing with their money. So, Rel, what do you got this week? Who's messing with their all money? Right, this week we have two cornerbacks, one from, I think, the Seattle Seahawks, and the other one from, I forget the team he's on, got Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker, where they had turned themselves in um, – I guess in an armed robbery case. I guess the story is there was a cookout or something took place. Three guys in masks came in, held everybody up in gunpoint, robbed everybody of their money and whatever else they had, left in three extravagant cars, took off and whatever. And I don't know if someone else got arrested for it and they decided to turn themselves in, 
but they basically they turn themselves in. They both turn themselves in today. It looks like as of now, they both got released on, I guess, bond of two hundred thousand dollars. Well, Baker's was two hundred thousand dollars. Dunbar's was a hundred thousand dollars. They're both saying they're innocent. They have witnesses corroborate their stories. You know, blah blah blah, whatever else. Either way, I'm not sure what to believe in the whole situation, but if, if they are a true suspect, it's just they're putting themselves in, the, in a wrong situation. You know, I don't know how they became the suspects, but whatever it was, whether it's wrong place, wrong time, or they actually did it, something messed with their money. Athletes, do what you can to keep yourself out of situations messing with your money. There's a Washington Redskins receiver, Cody Latimer. He's gotten arrested on, I believe, an assault charge and also, I think, discharging of a firearm, something like that. Doing something, whatever it was, whatever altercation, doing something to mess with his money. You can't do that. You got to stay out of those situations. I know you're young, you're hanging out, you're having a good time. Either way, you can't do something to mess with your money. Obviously, everybody's quarantined right now, so the league's not playing, but you don't want to put yourself in a situation where the team's like, you know what, we're better off without you. We're just going to cut you, cut bait, so we have to deal with the media backlash from this situation. Whether you did it or not, it's just best that we just part ways. You put self, You put yourself in that situation one way or another. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, now it's saying that it was an illegal dice games going on at an illegal gathering. So right there, they made a poor decision to attend something that was already right. illegal. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Putting themselves so, in positions to make stupid decisions and ultimately messing with their money. That's right. Because what? What? Even at the end of the day, if you're found innocent, it's still costing you yep. a lot of money. Right. And, so, and that doesn't and because of the perception, like I just read before we started a segment that the Giants have now told him to uh, stay away from team activities till his legal stuff's done. That means no money coming in and you got a lot of yep, money going out. For sure. And I don't know. If, I mean, I've heard of these guys, but I don't know if they're pro bowlers or anything. I don't know what kind of salary they have, but either way. Well, the Giants' corner was a first-round pick last year that the Giants traded right. up to get. Right. Uh, I read where other teams flagged him. There was at least two te- two other teams that flagged him that wouldn't take him no matter what because of attitude issues. And the Giants traded up to get him. I'll tell you what, the Giants have drafted just terribly and evaluating talent, but that's another story. So, And this guy, and he, he didn't have a good year. And he didn't have a good year, but he was still – he's a number one pick, so he's slotted to start this year, and now he probably ain't going to yeah. be on the team. Completely messed with his money. Hard. And what can you do? What can you do? So, yeah, so so with this being said and me bringing up my old coach and his retirement, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divulge some words of wisdom he put on us every year. And Coach France used to always say, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Take that advice how you will. <laughs> then, this, I think, happened in the middle of the day. So, but if you're, if you're yeah. illegal dice games, though, what can you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Try, try to put yourself yeah. in other situations. But, but, yeah, like you said, and but also, usually when you're reading about these stories, what do they always start with? Early Sunday morning. Almost every one of these stories started early <laughs> Sunday morning, right? Right. So. Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, people. <laughs> no, for sure. If you guys want to add anything, 
hit us up on Twitter. I'm at franchise1122. Dan is at D DeMeo. Um, you know, we'd like to hear from you. I'm on Instagram at Terrell Dwayne 11. Hit me up on Facebook, that too. That's fine. Just look me up, Terrell Cummins. But had fun today. It was good times. We tried to keep it to the point. I know we went through a lot of topics. Obviously, we're still thinking about sports. You know, we can't watch them on TV. I'm about to turn on this NASCAR race and finish up uh, set of this podcast so I can send it out to everybody. So, like I said, sorry for pushing back to Sunday, but it was a day of Copeland yesterday, and we celebrated her right. So, Dane, we appreciate you, man. You got anything else to add? Nah, man, I'm about to go bench me some 225 right now, man. Hey, I'm rep it out, up. dude. Rep it out. I'm sure we'll talk soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last thing. NFL, Roger Goodell. I need that investigation on the Steelers. That's what I'll finish with. I'll talk to you. All right, everybody. This is your favorite segment, Relax and Take Notes. And today I want to talk to any potential future collegiate athletes. I know if you're a senior of 2020, this hasn't been um, a great year for you to show off your talents like you would like to. And this is typically for full players, at least. The time of year when you're really already making a decision or able to talk to coaches. I guess if you're a junior going into your senior year as well, where you're able to talk to coaches. But right now, um, for the second time, the NCAA extends the recruiting dead period to June 30th as the coronavirus pandemic continues to leave college sports in limbo. Um, so it could get, honestly, it could get extended again. Uh, you just want to make sure that, you know, you're keeping up with what's going on and your parents do as well. I know not everybody's always as knowledgeable about the whole process through the NCAA as far as recruiting when you're allowed to talk to coaches and when you're not. Ultimately, what this means is there's no face-to-face contacts with recruits and no in-person scouting by the coaching staffs or anybody else on their staff. Um, Typically, this is an important time, important time period on the calendar for football and basketball coaches to take advantage of the evaluation period. But obviously, with the pandemic, they have not been able to do so. So things are a little bit differently or done a little bit differently right now. Um, Coaches, they can still contact recruits, though. They can contact you through text messages, phone calls, any kind of written correspondence. I think they might be able to FaceTime you or have some kind of video interaction with you. Uh, I'm not positive about that one, uh, but I think that may be the case. Um, If you are an athlete, you're younger, and you're looking to reach out to these coaches, you know, do so. You know, try to get on the radar. Try to, you know, get your film in front of them. You know, keep working hard in offseason. I know it's tough with the pandemic, but, you know, you have to do a lot of work on your own. You're going to reach your goals of playing, you know, know, collegiate athletics. So don't let it get you down. You know, do what you can to still improve yourself and better yourself. And just make sure you're prepared for when those coaches do talk to you or call you and contact you. Make sure you're ready to have a good conversation with them and, you know, sell yourself and let them know about yourself and let them know what you bring to the table. So until then, you know, Dane and myself had a good time on the show. As always, it's fun, fun talking mostly sports and a few other things as well. So um, until next time, you know, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Later.